Hello there, hockey fans. How are you doing today? It's Talking Hockey, the Hockey Talking Show. Coming at you on UMFM 101.5 in Winnipeg. It's co-host Tom here with you. And I am with, as usual, co-host Jared, who, um, co-host Jared rocked a, uh, an assist on what was the go-ahead goal, but then... For a minute. Then they tied it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I was, I was fixing the there was a, a little patch of rubber by the door that kept coming loose and exposing yeah, some concrete yeah and uh, so i was fixing i was bent over fixing that uh-huh. and then i was adjusting my skate laces uh or sorry the shin pad uh skate situation and that's when we scored so i missed the goal can you can you just quickly uh replay that for me please <laughs> put me on the spot uh you know what uh coach vince broke out of our zone with the puck mm-hmm. uh he hit he hit me with a pass uh sort of uh just over the red line i threw mm-hmm. it aco- uh threw it across to uh my uh wing mate last night johnny red pants old johnny red pants yeah. old johnny red pants and he took off like a shot and yeah. uh, he he put the puck in the, put the puck in. Did the he net rifle it with some authority? Yeah, yeah, nice. yeah. You know, and uh, we were up two one. And he was going last night, Johnny Red Pants. He was on a bit of a heater. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he even stuck around and and had a bubbly afterwards. He's usually like the first guy out, but he sat around and uh, yeah, put his put his feet up on the old hockey bag and uh, took her all in. <laughs> So good guy, Johnny Redpants. He I, is, uh, yeah. Well, I quite cheers. enjoy playing hockey with him. Well, that was a, a good one. Uh, all right. So yeah, we're there's your quick uh beer league update. Your, your garage league update, yeah. Um uh it, it, it's season six, episode thirteen. We haven't talked to you listeners in a couple weeks. We've been playing before the cookie on holiday. Yeah. yeah. And so uh happy new year to everybody. I hope yeah. that is it too late to keep saying Happy New Year? You know how Larry David's got that whole thing. Well, uh, I think he's like about two weeks or something. We're still it's like a week later. You can still say Happy New Year. Correct. There's people I haven't seen yet. Correct. So um, anyway, listeners, Happy New Year because we haven't we haven't talked to you yet. And so it's season six, episode thirteen, and we're gonna call this one the Camillary, Mike Camillary. Listeners, you might be saying, well, what about Sundin or Datsuk or any of these others. Uh, Sundin, we did. Datsuk, we've not done. We uh, we opted to go with Camillary. So yeah. he's um, kind of a beauty. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, we've got a lot to talk about on this show today. There's been a lot of hockey happening. We're going to talk, you know, Camillary, 
World Juniors. We're going to get into some Jets. The Jets and Wild getting heated. I hope you like drama, and I hope mm-hmm. you like salty fans and online keyboard wars and all the rest of it. Journalists going berserk, because uh, we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to also, I don't know, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to get into some other stuff, too. So let's start off by talking a little Mike Camilleri. Jared, um, did, did you know that Camilleri was, he scored the something thousandth goal of Montreal Canadiens <laughs> franchise in history? Fact, in fact, Tommy, I did know that. He scored the 20 thousandth 20,000th yeah in 2009 2009 the storied the storied Montreal Canadiens so they became a team in 1910 uh see now I don't know this so it gets murky there's your Maroons your Canadians your and the the NHL didn't start till 1917 yes so are we talking like 1910 when they played in the NHA the National Hockey Association are we talking 1917 anyways all i'm saying is either way montreal canadians what like why why did it take you so long to get to twenty thousand? that's a lot of goals jared hey i don't know know if you know about goals but they're hard i don't know twenty thousands a lot of them as you know i don't know much about goals uh uh yeah so uh yeah twenty thousandth goal and he also tied a franchise record for goals in a playoff series in 2010. Um, he was not with the Montreal Canadiens for a long time, uh, but it, it appears as though he did have a good time while he was there. Uh, yeah, he was a favorite half goals. of mine in his time in Montreal, for sure. And that playoff that he set the uh, goals in a series record for, he mm-hmm. he had, uh, what was it, 10? No, he had 13, 13. goals in 19 games that postseason that was a, a a great run for Montreal um they they played the penguins they played i think the flyers and they had a real nice run um but they came up short in the eastern conference finals and uh that might have been the year that uh the flyers played the hawks in the final i believe yeah i think so it sounds about right we'll go with yeah. that sure yeah why yeah. not uh so he also played for uh, the LA Kings. He played for the Calgary Flames. Played for the New he, Jersey Devils. He was one of those guys. What do you call him? A suitcase, uh, like a traveling. Well, I don't know if he was quite traveling salesman, but he was. He he got around for sure. Uh, five and, five teams in his yeah. fifteen year career. Pretty good. Well, well, little cup of little cup of coffee with Edmonton at the end there for, for yeah, his fifth. Sure. Um, I was three different say, Canadian markets. Yeah, yeah, you know. Then he's in the Big Apple, well, adjacent in New Jersey, and then he, you know, in California. And, you know, when I when I brought up his career stats, I I saw L.A. I totally forgot that he played, and he played there for six seasons or parts of six seasons. And um, you know, he was he was a pretty good L.A. King until he got moved. Uh, well, and so he played with L.A. and then later. Came back to LA mm-hmm. after uh, after playing with the Devils. Just had oh, a quick oh. little fifteen game stint there before he got traded to Edmonton. Uh, the interesting thing uh, in 
2015-2016, his uh, second season with New Jersey. So he signed he signed a relatively lucrative contract uh, at the time. Well, even now, five year, twenty five million dollars with with the Devils. His second year, he became the first player in the history of the New Jersey Devils to wear number 13. What? Which, yeah, yeah. That's like a Devils kind of number. I would 13? say it's unlucky. Well, now, like I think the captain is Nico Hershier. He sure he's the, he's the captain he wears 13. now. You're he? right. Yeah, yeah. Well, he took a little cue from Mike Camilleri. He's like, boys, we're the Devils. Yeah, and so uh, thirteen. He, he he did not uh, he, he did not have a great end run with the Devils, and he was placed on waivers, and <laughs> he, they bought. He out ended the... up getting banged yeah. up. He had some hip injury hip issues if i'm not mistaken which uh that really impacts your skating and that's what camillary was kind of no he had a wicked shot and he was a quick little water bug kind of guy mm-hmm. once your skating goes if that's your, your type of game you don't have a whole lot else i suppose but uh i always really liked mike camillary like uh, it seemed like a classy player 906 sure. career games 294 goals for 642 total career points, uh, regular season, of course, there. Uh, playoffs, let's just scroll down a little bit here where the playoffs go. He Now, here's a funny thing. 15 years in the NHL, he only ever saw the playoffs three times. Twice was when he was in Montreal, and, of course, they had that great run. And then, uh, you know, he, he had a, a quick series with Calgary there, six games, but only ever played 32 uh, playoff games in the NHL. But he had 17 goals, 15 assists for 32 points. So um, clutch, I guess you could say, yeah. in his day. Um, and he was. That 2010 year, he was clutch. Oh, he scored some big goals in that run. Yes, he did. That was great. That was uh, kind of around the time I was getting back into watching hockey and whatnot when I had not watched for a few years. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I I grew up a Habs fan, and I was cheering for the Habs. And man, did they have a fierce rivalry with the Bruins! I think they played the Bruins that playoff for sure. And uh, that might have been the year Andrew Ferentz gave the finger to the Bell Center on his way off after a penalty or a fight or something. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that was spicy. I like Andrew Ferentz. Uh, you know what? When he went to Edmonton, and I, I think he was a captain in Edmonton, I was kind of like, okay, you're all right. But man, did I hate him at that time. <laughs> and Lucic was a Bruin at that time. And oh, he uh, was a... yeah, no, he, he's, all, he's always been a jerk. Yeah. Uh, Camilleri, so he played in a game called the Cold War. Do you know? Are you, do you know the, know the Cold War game? Like, are you talking World Juniors? No, no. It was, I believe, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to say this. I don't know if this is true, so I'm just okay. talking out, talking out. Yeah, we'll get the uh, fact checkers on that. Yeah, it was an outdoor game that was held between the University of Michigan and Michigan State in 2001, all long before this whole uh, outdoor yeah, yeah. classic became a thing. Yeah. And because it was such a heated rivalry, Michigan State elected to hold it uh, on uh, October 6th, 2001, 
They set up the rink in Spartan Football Stadium. Well, how cold could it be in October? Come on. They got 74,000 people to come and watch this game. The 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 stadium apparently was at 103.4% capacity. Is this where they played the Detroit and Maple Leafs played an outdoor yeah. game a couple years ago? Yeah. And they had yeah, wasn't it like what how many people were there? At the, at this this Michigan University of Michigan you said State 70 something 74,000. So at the time it set a world record for the largest crowd at an out- outdoor ice hockey game or that's an crazy. ice hockey game. Yeah. 2001. Uh, the other th- thing that's kind of notable about Mike Camilleri is that he was one of the co-founders of a company yeah, Biosteel. called Biosteel, which uh, is kind I mean, of you become... ever seen you ever seen a sports drink? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of become ubiquitous with uh the nhl you know like it used to be more it's gatorade gatorade i'm a gatorade guy right uh my son yeah he's a biosteel guy because well that's what the kids are doing anyways you can uh if you go to royal sports and you take in your old gatorade bottle they'll give you a uh you'll they'll trade it trade it for a biosteel bottle what for free yeah why i don't know that's why bra- it's it's a branding thing. Maybe okay. maybe that's why BioSteel filed for bankruptcy. They're giving they're away giving too away many, too many water, water bottles. Giving away too yeah, sell those things, boys. Uh, yeah. I got six water bottles in the basement. If anybody wants to buy those, I don't know the branding on them. I think they're, you know, you remember? Okay, remember before the pandemic when you, when te- hockey teams would have a water bottle guy. And yeah. he's the guy who shows up with all the team's water bottles. I've seen um, the water bottle you rock. It's the old, it's the old school clear plastic. Yeah, and that's the, what the, I got. Six, red I got six or eight of those. And and, and did they um, all have the white tape wrapped around with? No, that's how West, I wrote that. Westall number nineteen. Well, post pandemic, it's all like, oh, everybody's got to bring their own water bottle. So you got to label yours, I guess. Well, but hey, post pandemic, I remember playing high school hockey. Uh, 1992, we had a water bottle guy. We had a trainer, right? Yeah. But then all of a sudden, 1992-93, we all had to start using our own individual water bottles. Oh, you guys were ahead of the curve, ahead you of know the times. Why? You know why? Somebody they had. Didn't, uh, they didn't want it. Herpes. Close, like Tommy. The mouse Close, Tommy. Mononucleosis. <laughs> oh, yeah. The kissing disease. Yeah. Herpes is not the kissing disease, but, <laughs> you know, be. could be, could be. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I don't know how I became water bottle guy that season, the, the season right before the pandemic, but in some cruel twist of fate, I became water bottle guy, and then the pandemic happened. Now I have all these water bottles. So, again, if anybody wants to buy a water bottle, Hit me up. All right, Jared. Where are we at? <laughs> we were gonna. So we're talking about Camilleri. Um, we'll do a quick segue, and uh, and I will tell you that it is going to be very, very brief. Yeah. Uh, Camilleri uh, was uh, was a member of the World Junior uh, Team Canada in uh, 2001 and in 2002. He did not win a gold medal, which you know. Uh, is kind of an anomaly if you look at world juniors in Canada. Yeah. Uh, I saw a thing the other day that years. 
I saw a thing that the other day that was the last, um, I think it was the last 20 years, Canada has 10 gold medals. Yes. Obviously, Canada didn't get any medal this year. No, no. Bit of a shame. What are you going to do, though, I suppose? it's That's the thing. Uh, I, I'm not too shook up about it, Jared. No. I liked their team. I thought they had some good games. That game against Sweden where they lost 2 nothing or whatever it was. Bit of a, I wouldn't even call it a stinker. Just kind of like they got stifled. And yep. then the game they lost against the Czechs to get out, like put out. Um, you know, that's a game could've, where you're like, well, they should have scored about six goals there. Yeah. They didn't. No, that and was, that the Czechs hung been. around and got a bounce. And yeah, that's kind of the way she goes. Way. Yeah. Uh, and goes. and the team that was the favorite going in, and we talked about it on our last show, was the U.S. And they ended up winning. Uh, that one got a little bit salty between them. Did it ever. And I want to ask you about that. Um, How do you feel? Okay, so here's a bit of a, I don't know. The U.S. captain was Rutger McGrority. Yes. And he he was part of the salty crew, was he not? Like, he got a little bit spicy for... what well, He wasn't blowing kisses. That was um, Gauthier. Cutter Gauthier, I think. Yeah. Which I... Okay, so I have two kind of things on this. I'm like, on the one hand, I'm like, okay, well, it is what it is. Whatever. The other hand, I'm like, kids these days, right? And you know what? It's not even these days. It's just teenagers in general. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, always. Every generation. Um, mm-hmm. it's an, um, That's the ho- most highly emotional, you know, age group. They're mm-hmm. lunatics. And teenage listeners, if you're listening, uh, we love you. Thank you for listening. Um, but, like, just there's a lot of things, synapses firing, all that stuff. And hockey is the most highly emotional sport. That's the most high-level tournament. It's insane. There's going to be some spicy, salty stuff happening. Mm -hmm. And, man, the U.S. blowing kisses. Because, you know, the Swedes are swinging, singing in the stands, Mm -hmm. right? The fans, they're into it. That's how they do it in Europe. The, uh, you know, they get into it. And so they're the U.S. (laughs) Oh, It was... I guess Sweden didn't really like it, right? The players, no, the fans. No, they but you know what? Like a couple it. years ago, Sweden won a silver medal and the buddy hucks his silver medal over the state. The captain of the team throws his silver medal into the stands and says, I don't want it. The, impetu- so. the impetuousness <laughs> of do? youth, Tom. I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's why we love the World Juniors, though, isn't we it? We do love it's... the World Juniors. So consider this. Canada could have iced a team that included... Connor Bedard, mm. Adam Fantilli, mm-hmm. Kevin Kurchinski, Zach Benson, and Shane Wright. They all could have played in this year's tournament. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, whatever. Uh, they did get Matthew Poitras right at right sort of before the tournament began. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I did hear coming out of it, and this makes sense, is that traditionally teams have not been allowed to carry a like a taxi squad or Canada has not carried a taxi squad. Right. So they had a couple of guys get banged down. up there. Owen yeah. Beck got banged up. Yeah, yeah, Owen exactly. Beck, so then uh, they got to play with a short bunch, I suppose. Eh? Well, and so Tristan Luno, who was supposed to be one of their best defensemen, he got hurt. Uh, Tanner uh, Mollendyke got hurt. And so midway through the tournament, they had to get two guys who had been cut, fly them over to Europe, 
and be like, hey, just come play. Here you go. And they're like, right? oh, I haven't slept right on uh, no practice. <laughs> with uh, how, what's <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, going further uh, or going going forward, Canada is talking about carrying a roster that has four to five guys and saying, hey, you know what? You might not play. You might play. You're part of the team. Does, yeah. Just come over, be part of the team. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they could interchange some guys in the round robin probably. But does is there IIHF rules against that? Or is that just a thing where Canada's like, or like that deals with the junior teams and stuff? It's like, you know. Well, I think, I think that it's, I mean, if it's happening to one team, it's going to be happening to everybody. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, traditionally when it's uh, overseas it's a lot harder if the tournament's lot... in canada maybe it's a different story right well when it's when it's in our backyard then you just hop on on the next red eye out of get, out of winnipeg the, and get yourself get the next to... flair airlines yeah, uh, exactly. scheduled for whatever time I'd oh sorry your take, flight's been delayed <laughs> i wouldn't take that airline but you know what oh i i have and i will again yes, yes. <laughs> uh so anyways team canada not so good but yeah. you know what funny thing about it we'll be back next year yeah and that's you know jerry that's be, the way she goes hey could be, could be worse look we all had a good time putting bailey's in her coffee on boxing day and watching the game yeah so, yeah i tucked in i tucked into some nuts and bolts yeah <laughs> it was good yeah, uh, we, gotta, we gotta go to break here yeah we're gonna today we're playing we're playing songs curated by co-host tom uh from his best of 2023 list so what do you got for us well yeah there was you know a handful of albums i really liked this year but the top of the heap was jeff rosenstock's hell mode uh i just thought it was amazingly catchy from front to back it's up upbeat it's got it's got it all i loved it um and so the song that we're gonna play off of this album um jared uh called uh, i want to be wrong there it is. I want to be wrong. Yeah, I I lost my uh, <laughs> lost my stuff there. Anyway, I want to be wrong. It Doesn't happen very often, but no, it doesn't. You yeah. know, and I'm sorry to let you down, listeners. Uh, but I want to be wrong. But Jeff Rodenstock off his Bre- off his 2023 album Hell Mode, which, in my opinion, was the best album of 2023. <laughs>
right, that was Jeff Rosenstock and his tune, I Want to Be Wrong, off his 2023 album, Hell Mode. I thought it was a great album. Good record. You'd never know that Jeff Rosenstock got his start in a ska band. No offense to ska bands. No, no there, offense. There you know what good... an interesting thing about Jeff Rosenstock? He re- released an album a couple years ago, No Hope, I think it was called. Correct. And then he released a ska version of that album. Yes, he did. <laughs> so, I mean, the guy's prolific, if nothing else. So I hope he's got a new one in 2024. But if nothing else, I mean, he's awesome, too. So he's got that going for him. But, <clears throat> Jared, we're going to talk now about uh, pack Jets. And, man, did they ever get uh, spicy with their... Uh, divisional rivals the minnesota wild just recently um there was so this i mean maybe by the time you're listening to this here uh it's old news right this happened is it old news it's not though it just keeps like and i think and i there's a rematch coming too right the wild are coming back to winnipeg for their final meeting of the season between the two clubs that's february 20th and that's coming yeah so that's enough time to let things stew and maybe mellow. However, let's just recap a little bit of what happened because, you know, I want to kind of, we haven't had a chance to talk about this due to the holidays. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you and I have talked about this, but we got to flesh this out on the show here. Um, what happened? Basically, uh, the Jets and Wild play a home and home back to back matinee affairs. Matinee games are usually pretty chill, I think, right? Like, you know, but these games were not chill, Jared. They were feisty. Uh, You know, they met in the playoffs back in 18. There's been incidences, you know, last year, final game of the season or whatever it was, and there was the Hartman hit on. Ealers that ended up putting Ealers out of the playoffs for five games. And, you know, there's stuff, right? There's history with these teams. And then Dylan, so their best player, Kaprizov, he is on the ice. Dylan's out there. It's a scrum in the corner, a little corner battle. You know, Dylan gives him two. They're calling them cross checks, Jared. So I will call it a cross check. I don't think. I think when you say the word cross-check, you envision something a little more fierce than sure. what was applied on to Kaprizov, but it obviously caught him in a spot. You could see in the replay, Kaprizov's pants are falling apart. It obviously caught him like in the spot where that pad was supposed to be or something. Mm-hmm. And I mean, then the question is, oh, was he playing through something anyway? You know, comes up, but Either way, it obviously stung Kaprizov. He turns and gives Dylan a cross-check of his a own. A cross-check of his own that was pretty nasty, but you know, it is what it is. Kaprizov goes off eventually and didn't finish the game. They announced later he's out for one or two weeks. And uh later in that game, Dylan fights Middleton, who's a big boy. And they decided, let's let's toss our knuckles here, mm-hmm. settle this score. Mm-hmm. So you think, oh, it's settled. 
Um, Winnipeg, then... Winnipeg wins the game. Winnipeg wins the game. And then they yeah, a little they bit head... of a come from behind win, wasn't it? Or was no. that the second game? No, second game was a come from behind. But then, okay. so Winnipeg wins the game. Teams hop, hop, hop on the old transit and Booker down I ninety four and yeah. uh, and and head down to Minneapolis where they play the second of the uh, home and home matinees. So while they're riding the Greyhound of the skies. Yeah, the the uh, media is doing <laughs> what they do. Yeah, and they're you know um, Minnesota fans are upset. Obviously, Kaprizov is hurt. Well, and so and they're like, this is a second time that they hurt that they the Jets hurt Kaprizov because if you remember last year, yeah, a game that I, I went say. to, uh, Big got... Stan the Stanimal, yeah. yeah, he like skating like the giraffe he is, kind of. Fell on top of Kaprizov, <laughs> who tried to reverse check Stanley, yeah. but Stanley just like fell on top of him, uh-huh. and it hurt Kaprizov. Uh-huh. And Wild fans were salty about that. And then, it, and then it, he goes off again for a weird, nothing kind of play. Mm-hmm. Anyway, then yeah, they get to Minnesota, the St. Paul to be precise. Mm-hmm. They get down there to play the the second game of the back-to-back and uh it starts off two seconds in with a scrap at center ice yeah Pat- patrick maroon what do they call him the big the big big train? rig big rig pat maroon and uh captain adam lowry nice yeah. tilt yeah so. nothing crazy but two heavyweights you know and it was the same as the dylan middleton fight sure like that was that was one of those fights that you know Don Cherry would like. I think he would have liked both of those fights, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure he's got complaints about the lack of fight, fighting in the game, but <laughs> guess what? We don't have to hear from him anymore. Um, okay, so second fight, great. Does that uh, not solve it? Right? Like, is that not it? Or, or wait, could there be more? Like, so, does that not, though, put the incident in the rearview mirror? Right. Okay. And so, I th- there's I've got the a whole incident. Bunch of I use those I want... quotations on that. Yeah, the whole lot of whole lot of stuff I want to unpack here. So then, what ends up happening is the guy. And this fight. is the spiciest, the saltiest. Yeah. Uh, noted um, pain in the ass. Yeah. Ryan Hartman. Then takes a run at Paul Perfetti. And by a run, you mean off the face-off, high sticks him. Yeah. He loses the draw, and then yeah. he goes and goes boink, and high sticks him right in the lip. Yeah. Six stitches later for Perfetti. No teeth lost, I don't think. No. But he got him. Yeah. Got him good. Yeah. Little does he know, or does he know, Perfetti is mic'd up. And Correct. told him... That he did it on purpose. He's like, "Yeah, I high stick you on purpose. You got one of ours. Now I got one of yours, or something like that." He says, yes. "Right? Yes." And so, <laughs> I mean, and then and then okay. So then fast forward. You already know Winnipeg wins this game. Yeah. Jets Jets are on a bit of a heater, which we'll get to in a minute. They're rolling. So I got a couple of questions for for you. Um, a 
why does the, why does the second fight need to happen? Okay, I why couldn't figure that out because I thought is, it was solved by Dylan and Middleton. Well, never mind. Okay, so the game on December 30th, the first game with the incident between Kaprizov and Dylan. We're at my parents' place. We're sitting there. We're eating food. We're watching the game. And we all kind of thought that, okay, so it happens. So 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 on and so forth. But Kaprizov got up and yeah, he finished I think the shift. He finished the shift and he also gave Dylan a pretty nasty cross check back. One that was more I would say like aggressive oh, than definitely. the two that Dylan gave to Kaprizov. Like the the two that Dylan gave to Kaprizov, I wouldn't even like that's why I hesitated calling them cross checks. I mean, technically I suppose they are, but they're really they're shoves with, yeah. you know, he puts the stick on, he shoves. Yeah. And, and so this, these happen in corner scrums, board battles, all uh, game long, every and, single game. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say, guess what? If you are stuck in a corner with Brendan Dillon, who leads the Jets in hits by 14, uh, he's a bit of a tough customer. I like Probably Brendan Dillon. Pims. I don't know. Uh, uh, he might. Yeah. He'd be up there just due to the number oh, of times yeah. that he yeah, does no. scrap. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, he's gonna he's gonna give you a little bit of the business, right? He's not he's... gonna let you just stand there. No, and so okay, so on, so forth. Uh, Kaprizov, he gets up. You know, okay. So I will say, I am I am not the world's most skilled player, so I don't know what it like it's like to get that little bit of the business every time, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there are certain guys, I'm sure, that, you know, like a Kaprizov, you see, when he gets up, he's super frustrated. Maybe he doesn't like to get pushed around. Maybe that gets him off his game. You can see that he's kind of losing his cool. I don't know. I don't know what that's like, but he probably has to deal with that on a sort of semi-frequent basis. But then Dylan and Middleton, they fight. It wasn't much of a fight, whatever. Jacob Middleton, like the mustache bud, looks good. Two, two heavyweights that were trading punches. Yeah. Not a whole lot landed, <laughs> but, but they they but, put on a show and, and kind of like... It, what it felt seemed, like, Go ahead. I was just going to say, it seemed like it was uh, settled. Right, but what it also felt like to me was they kind of looked at each other just like, well... You know, you and I, we got to go do this thing now, right? right? And so they did it, and it was 45 seconds, and they went their separate ways, and everybody... That's what I mean. So, like, then why was the Lowry and Maroon fight even necessary? So is that now necessary? Because after the game, Kaprizov, it's announced that he's hurt, and now he, has, he has to... He's gone for a couple weeks. I guess then it's like, oh, now we got to, yeah. Now we got to so level, now we so got to level, level that up. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I mean, there, you, you sent me an article about we've got a, a hitting problem in hockey or something like that. And, and, uh, it's been something that's been talked about. But like, think about, to me, it's like, I mean, people or players aren't expecting to be hit. Look at Connor Bedard the other day skating into Ty Smith. Was it Smith? 
whoever uh, it was on Brendan, the Devils. Brendan Smith. Or Brendan Smith. Yeah. Skates right into his job. shoulder. Skates right into his shoulder. Smith yeah. just like basically stood there and he was like, well, I'll just put my shoulder out because that's how you body check or whatever. Yeah. And Bedard just skated right into him face first. And it's like, now I mean, he just job. learned himself a painful lesson. Sure. That will hopefully, uh, you know, he'll take into his career and not yeah. do that again. But like, um, so here's here's my second point. It, uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say that I brought that up because that resulted in two fights after that. It's like why <laughs> a nothing hit. I mean, it was a not a nothing hit. It was a it was a hit. It was just like a normal. It was bi- like. It wasn't like he was headhunting. No. Anyway, I, I mean, hate, I, I hate the fight after a hit, and the, oh. and this Kaprizov, Dylan Middleton, Maroon Lowry, Hartman Perfetti fiasco. Okay, so here's here's my issue, is or my question is the retribution factor. Why? Why does Hartman have to go after? He doesn't. Cole? Well, but why? Why does? Why is Cole why Perfetti? The, why is Cole Perfetti the guy who's chosen? Because he's the he, smallest guy. Because he's ice? not Dylan and he's not Lowry. He's okay. not Niederreiter. He's not uh, you know anybody Samberg or anybody who's gonna give him any lean back. And that's what Hartman has done. You know, his hit on Ehlers. That last year was that pretty, was like yeah. interference, blindside, yeah. and high. Yeah. Uh it was like, you know, ridiculous. And um, you know, we've seen Ehlers, <laughs> he we've seen him drop the mitts. Uh Hartman better keep his head up on Feb twenty, because Ehlers is coming. We're sending the goon in. Well, um, I think, you know. I think I want to get tickets to the game on February 20th, just yeah. because it's going to be a, a pretty um, raucous, raucous environment. Um, but you know what? Like, why is Ryan Hartman not taking a run at? Well, I know why he's not taking a run at Ehlers because last time yeah. that didn't. Work. But like, why? Why? Why yeah. Perfetti? Why not Mark Shifley? Well, why not? Why not? Well, exactly. But Polardi? I mean, Perfetti is probably the Jets smallest player is he i don't know but kaprizov's not a small guy no but so I, I just mean I, though I, like I, that's what i mean like hartman sees perfetti as like an easy easy target he's no uh, i know and then there's the whole aspect of of perfetti being mic'd up yeah and and then the writer michael russo of minnesota like who who what i've heard fair. interviews with him on the radio and whatever and he he writes for the athletic and he's like a good hockey writer but he is man is he ever writer. losing his marbles yes. and just like he's it's like he's like fighting with online trolls and just like saying the worst takes like he's like allegedly hartman uh admitted this it's like on tape buddy and, and then he's like uh you know, he's full in on the like Stanley thing was uh, malicious on Kaprizov last year when Kaprizov himself said to Russo in an interview after that happened, 
that he tried to throw the reverse hit on Stanley and it backfired and it was a weird hockey play and what are you going to do kind of thing. But like, you know, Michael Russo, I mean, okay, here's the premise of our show. We're two dudes talking hockey. We're not insiders. We're not experts, blah, blah, blah. And Michael Russo is an accredited hockey journalist who votes on player awards. He gets votes and he's such like, He's just showing his true colors lately online, which it, is a shame because it is stick to writing, bud, because you're it is just... unfortunate. He's what he he up until recently has been one of my favorite beat writers yeah. on The Athletic. Right. I I tend to there's yeah. a couple couple of I didn't mind that him. I, and then, I read about lately. Yeah, he's kind of he's off it. He's off it a bit. Um, the, the Jets have got him rattled is what it is yeah. and it's kind of hilarious to see but it's also slightly embarrassing for uh you know that because like he built his career on being like a solid hockey writer and now he's mm-hmm. just battling online trolls with tweets that are stupid and so like just bad takes you know bad takes bad takes yeah. Yeah. well so now that we've we've gotten caught up uh we've aired our grievances we've aired our grievances <laughs> Uh, late late festivus on the hockey show yeah. uh let's take a quick break let's play yeah. play a song and then let's talk about your winnipeg jets and like a serious role last time we talked uh on this show uh they were not the first overall team in the nope. nhl they and today they, they are. are so <laughs> uh what's the next song you got queued up for us here I think we're going to uh, Lucero. Yeah. Right. And great band. band. Yeah. And they're a band that's just been around forever. Yeah. And um, I think we're going to go with Buy a Little Time. Is that the tune we're? Yeah. Is that the one we're playing? Yeah. Yeah. And so this is off their new, well, 2023 album, Should Have Learned by Now. And they're they're like a rootsy rock they got punk vibes but they got like i don't know like rootsy kind of americana type vibes and Mm -hmm. um they've been blending those sounds for 20 years or whatever it is and yeah they're just a great band so uh here here we go right now on talking hockey the hockey talking show with buy a little time by lucero
All right, all right, all right. That was Buy a Little Time by Lucero or Lucero, I think. I don't know how you pronounce that one. Uh, L-U-C-E-R-O. Lucero, Lucero. (laughs) Yeah, so they put out that uh, album, Should Have Known, in 2023. One of my favorites. So we thought we'd play you the song, uh, a song from it. Um, Jared, we got a little bit of Jets to talk about. I forgot to reset the timer. We're still rolling, so I'm relying on you to tell me when we got to bounce. But in the meantime, we got Jets to talk about. Um, they're on a heater. I would say a heater so of they've epic, set a of franchise histori- record. historical proportions this year. Yes. Of historical exactly they set a franchise record uh the franchise unfortunately is the atlanta slash winnipeg franchise not unfortunately it just is what it is but Mm -hmm. you know when we think of winnipeg jets hockey i think winnipeg hockey fans we just block out the yotes and the thrashers and we just count jets only so i don't know where it stands in jets only but thrashers jets franchise 12 game point streak yeah 12 game point streak they were recording sunday night listeners yeah. they beat the uh, arizona coyotes five two tonight. Tonight. five two yeah which means it was another game of three or less goals which is now what the 29th so game in a row of that so uh the record my... is 33 by winnipeg or by minnesota uh, yes. In post nineteen sixty seven, like post expansion era. So my uh, astute colleague uh, Ethan tells yeah. me that the last time that the Jets gave up more than three goals was against the Coyotes, mm. which is way back on. November, November something you said. November 4th. Okay, so since November 4th, they have not allowed three goals or more. Yes. Or they have allowed three goals, but not more than three. Correct. Yes. Yeah. November. Well, that's November. pretty good, Jared. That means a couple of things. That means your goalies are on. They're mm-hmm. doing what they got to do. They're making the saves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laurent Brassois backing up. Uh, Hellebuck, can you think of a better combo in the NHL at this moment? Not right now, you might, no. You might be able to come up with a couple others that are in the conversation. Your Demcos and your DeSmiths, maybe your Swaymans and Allmarks. Mm-hmm. I said Swayman has had a couple of stinkers lately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a couple other pairings in the NHL that are kind of legit like that but i think hellebuck and brossois right now are the the top dogs if they're if we're talking jennings trophy do they still give out the jennings trophy for i don't know but i hope they do tendy tandems um so one of the things that we talked about sort of in the tail end of last year was uh that they needed to get laurent brossois more work and Mm. so to date uh, through 38 games, uh, Brossois has played one game to to every three of Hellebuck. So I think that's a pretty reasonable ratio. I would say so. 
I would say so. And I mean, he he sports a pretty uh, tidy six, three and one record, two point three goals against to to Hellebuck's two point two eight. And when um, you think of like the how it's the season started for Brossois, his first yeah. three games, the numbers were awful. I, were I don't I don't know if it was three exactly, but the first handful of games, his numbers were pretty bad. And then his last, you know, his last set of games in the, uh, the last couple months, mm-hmm. he's been great. Mm-hmm. And um, so that might skew the numbers or whatever. But his numbers, I mean, they're great already, but they might even be better if you kind of like you know, check those first couple games, but he, he's been everything you can ask for, I think, like, and more, really. You don't feel like there's any regression when you put your backup in and he's, you know, allowed what I get. He played against, was it Anaheim or San Jose? He played and against he, Anaheim. Uh, 37 shots against, allowed one goal. So, you know, sparkling save percentage and, and I mean, got he, the win. He, he, and it, it makes played- it easy to put him in when he gets the win. Yeah, and you know he he's uh, he's he's also faced some pretty decent competition. Like he mm-hmm. he played the second half of that back to back with Minnesota, um, and I would assu- I would assume that he's going to get either uh, Columbus on Tuesday or Chicago on Thursday, uh, the next the next two games here. Um, but you know Winnipeg has started off at, well, and I mean they finished finished uh, 2023 on a real nice run you know they beat up beat up on some really really good teams like yeah beat up on the kings they beat up on colorado they beat up on the bruins they beat uh, minnesota back to back the only two blemishes couple of overtime losses you were at one of them against montreal and then the second one was kind of uh the connor bedard show we're gonna we're gonna play chicago on thursday minus bedard so it should be kind of an interesting well chicago apparently uh my buddy who's a hawks fan uh listener justin out in uh, nanaimo british columbia um he he sent a message in our fantasy hockey league chat recently about how the hawks have 34 million on injured reserve right now or something like that the rest of their team playing is worth thirty-two million. So yeah. <laughs> that so tells us the story of the Hawks, basically. Sure. So you know, like they, it was key, I think, coming uh, out of the game against Tampa on on January second. They had San Jose, they had Anaheim, they had Arizona, who they played tonight. They have Columbus Tuesday, they have Chicago Thursday. I would say, uh, and no deference to any of those teams all in the bottom third of the league. Arizona has actually been pretty good this year. Yeah, they've been cold lately. But these are the type of games that Winnipeg has traditionally struggled with, where they play down to the caliber of their opponents. And uh, I've been really, really uh, pleasantly surprised at how hard they've been playing over the last couple of games, right? Like firing on all cylinders, all four, four lines rolling. It's really it's fun to bit, watch. It is. And it's a little bit crazy how easy they're making it look, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a weird thing to say, but they just, ah, oh, man, they've been playing like 
the type of hockey and it's just it's a little dangerous to say such things but i i can't help myself but it's like the kind of hockey that it takes to sure. kind of go all the way you yes. know yes and they, you know, they're playing they're playing like three one games all the time two like they don't care they get down one nothing they don't care they know they're gonna win they just well, stick with the program and they bang out a three one win or whatever it is and it's like they just it, it it it's it's not boring i think when everybody thought when uh rick bonus was hired as the head coach mm-hmm. was that it was going to become boring hockey because he's known as a defensive coach and like i mean he true to his reputation the jets are one of the top defensive teams in the league it doesn't hurt when you have two of the best goaltenders goaltenders like the best goaltender and and a very good backup or whatever, but you know, it's, it's not been boring. I don't, I don't think that bonus hockey has been boring hockey. No, no. And I think that, you know what, the the scary thing is that there is still room for improvement. And I Mm -hmm. mean, like last year we were sitting pretty at this time of the year, but this feels like a totally different thing from that. The team team feels different. Yes. It, the, the team feels different. It's a good mix of guys. Think, they seem like they all enjoy like gutting it out for one yeah, another and, and it's like, like putting it on the line. And, and then guys like Nino Niederreiter, who's been playing incredibly, uh, he goes and signs a, an extension in the middle of the season or whatever. You know, yeah. he wants to be around. It seems like the guys want to be around. They want to play for each other. They want to play. It's a hockey town. They're playing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're playing hockey. Um, but I just, yeah, like the team feels different than it did last year when they kind of had that second half swoon. Mm -hmm. I, and you know, anything can happen in a long season, but I I don't see them dipping as hard as they did. They might cool off, you know? Well, I mean, I think that's inevitable. Mm -hmm. Um, we can't expect that they're going to you know continue well here's the thing is like you think it's inevitable because they've been so hot mm-hmm. but just the way that they're playing it seems to use a, a buzzword from 2000 and you know 8 it seems sustainable jared um <laughs> like doesn't it though it just seems like the way they're playing is like that's just how you win hockey games and you look at rick bonus in his career and i mean mm-hmm. he's been an associate coach an assistant coach whatever a long time and and it's just kind of like he he's been on a lot of teams. He knows what's up, and he's knows how to his his last several jobs are, are all teams that have kind of gone the distance. Yeah, he knows what he knows how to push buttons. He knows how yeah. to how to get things moving. So so uh, in terms of moving, though, we, we gotta, gotta go. move on. Yeah, man, we're we're out of time. There's too much hockey to talk about here today. Too much hockey. Well, especially when you don't talk hockey for two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a good time talking hockey with you today, Jared. And listeners, and... I hope that uh, you had a good time listening hockey with us. Uh, and, and uh, you know, talk around the water cooler. Hey, uh, get get it going with the co- colleagues there. Um, we'll be back next week. And uh, we hope that you are too. So keep your stick on the ice. We're going to go out on a tune. I think we're going to go out with the Cape Breton I'm going to call them Neo-Folk, Jared. They're Neo-Folk. Yeah. Uh, 
it's like they're taking Cape Breton folk music and bringing it into 2023. We're in 2024 now. I get it. But this album came out in 2023. It's the band Villages. And this is their song, uh, Play the Fiddle All Night, right here on Talkin' Hockey, the Hockey Talkin' Show. Oh, well, everyone knows down the John Neil George Road, there's a diamond for nothing and let's about ya and with an old tin can up the marble mountain oh you'll hear me singing I the bias that says I love ya in the middle of the night should you find me still a over string the fiddle up tight and softly play me It's the wind that gets ya And under rolling hills Under rolling thunder You can hear me whistle in a tune If you're listening, I bet ya In the middle of the night Should you find me still a Have I given it all 